seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There was the babble fish that you put in your ear, and you could understand everyone's um, what they're saying, dependent of what language they speak. And obviously, the reason for that, from a narrative point of view, was so uh, you, you don't have to worry about the fact that clearly no one would speak English, and Arthur Dent could traverse the galaxy quickly and easily and understand what everyone was saying. And it's made a bit of a joke of the fact that why would a thing like this exist? It's far too useful. Um, sometimes I think with Jess Franco, it'd be really useful if there was a babble fish involved who would be able to kind of explain what the hell Franco was thinking and what all this visual stuff is happening means. I'm saying this because there's a fantastic commentary on the Blu-ray for this film, which does that. It kind of explains why the film exists the way it does and how it works and a bit of, like, some of, like, the, the clues and metaphors and some of the stuff that say, oh, when he's doing this, he's referring to this. Um, and, like, so that, you know, you, the reason why this is making less sense to you now is that it's, you know, best part of 50 years old. And... Um, this is the clues and metaphors that, that it's covering. The fact that the film is best part of 50 years old is also staggering, but I suppose that's uh, that's what getting old is. Um, Franco's work is so unique to him, and it's easy to um, poo-poo uh, a lot of his stuff, because some of his stuff is shit. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, there, there are very few fans of what another Franco film that we're going to have to cover soon um, called The Waste of the Zombies. But here, with the erotic rights of Frankenstein, Franco has created something, I think, that you can kind of show it to people and say, this is why I like Jess Franco. And it kind of conveys a bit of it. I mean, you know, obviously I'd always kind of say, well, just play Vampire's List Boss because, you know, that's... That's his, like, you know, that's his most Franco film. Um, but it has all the touches and weirdness and gimmicks. It show, it's, it's so clear, I think, in the way this film was made, how Franco was an operator to make films and how, you know, uh, audacious he was to kind of fucking just... He was a machine to make movies. A lot of those movies were sleazy and weird and then potentially not very good. But still, there's something about them, which meant that people would still give him more money, so he'd make more films. That was sleazy and weird. And from that point of view, I think personally that it's always worth giving this film, Rotter Writer Frankenstein, potentially another day in court. Le château de Barna. La mort habite ses caveaux. Mais une vie nouvelle y sera engendrée. Par la créature de Cagliostro, 
et le monstre de Frankenstein. Tes ondes magnétiques m'ont sauvé à temps, maître. Avec l'aide de sa propre fille, le docteur Frankenstein revient parmi les vivants. C'est tout ce qui va se passer maintenant. du château de Barna. Seule la science triomphera. film terrible et envoûtant, dont les personnages fascinent et terrifient. Quel est le secret du château de Barna Et qui sont ces créatures qui l'abritent Un film que vous devez voir, La malédiction de Frankenstein. So, what's the film about Oh, lordy. Right, okay, so the movie is actually about um, Dr. Frankenstein and his assistant, Morpho, are killed, right? Just at the moment, they bring their creation, the monster, to life. Now, the monster is taken by another guy called Cagliostoro. And now he's got control of that, that, that creature, and he plans to have it mate and create a master race of monsters that will be better than everything else so he, there's um and he's very keen on kind of creating the perfect woman and this monster will be the perfect monster and they'll be it doesn't make a wild amount of sense but that's the the, the threadbare nature of, of of what what franco has put this 
in fairness, I think 74 minutes worth of film together on. I don't think you should need a babblefish to explain cinema to you. Or explain why a film is the way it is. But even a rudimentary look at the, at the near dozen films that Franco made in 1972 give a pretty clear indication of how this film has come into existence, almost been willed into existence. We've access to a, a castle, uh, a number of, um, of actors who appear frequently in his work, especially Howard Vernon, who appears as our bad guy in this. Franco's made films like Daughter of Dracula around about the same time, and clearly, and Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein as well, and clearly thought to himself, what I can do here is make another film as well in the same time from bits and bobs. So what we get is a movie with different locations that are meant to be in the same place but don't really feel connected to each other um, in, a, in a castle that he's obviously got access to. Um, especially early doors where um, characters are introduced and then kind of half forgotten about. And on the flip side of that, we've got um, Frankenstein's daughter, Vera, who is trying to solve what's going on and gets in quite a fair bit of trouble for that. And then the film slowly kind of narrows down into this master race slug plot and like, you know, there's an element of that he's been experimenting on women. There's a woman-bird hybrid in there as well who's clearly like a, a nod to Dr. Moreau, isn't really explored properly. There are skeleton men watching the work, which again isn't really explored properly. It's just kind of a suggested that our bad guy has done a lot of mad scientist shit over the years and this is the, the, the effects of it. But Franco has no real interest in kind of explaining any of the motivations beyond why you'd want to get someone in a room naked and whip them. I mean, that is kind of as far as, as, as he, is, he is going. And certainly with this film, it, it, it comes off in waves that, you know, listen, I just want to make a cool looking film in a castle and there'll be loads of nudity. I'll be on board with that. And the answer probably for me is, yeah, yeah, I am on board with that, to be honest with you. We're going to get to Jean Rollin in a, in a couple of months' time, probably, uh, and with Zombie Lake. But, um, and that's not his best film. But Rollin was an expert in terms of these sleazy, nudity-packed, kind of artsy, um, horror hybrid kind of movies sexy vampire stuff, if, if, if you're being the most cynical. And Franco kind of is alluding to a wish to be similar than that to that, but it's Franco, so it, it, it isn't quite there. What is there, though, is some of just the most amazing Franco-ish decision-making. That is wonderful. So our monster is painted silver. It's like a metallic paint on him. Not explained why, or why a, a man would ever be that colour. Um... Obviously, the, the makeup's garbage, and you can see that where the scar, the fake scars are coming off, where it's just being like stuck on his face, and there's painted, and there you go, off you go, son. And then Vera Frank, so Frankenstein's murdered, right? They they resurrect his body, but only to ask him questions, not to keep him resurrected. So he kind of gets woken up to to enhance to advance the plot. 
So we get him up there. So, oh, right, okay, sound. So what, what happened to you then? And he tells them, I need to let him fucking die again. And off they go. I mean, it's fucking brilliant. It's just wonderfully bizarre. Um, like a lot of Franco, I think if you can forgive how it exists and kind of give yourself over, there are some interesting shots in there. Certainly early doors with the camera flying around and that. It's nicely put together. Um, I mean, some of it's not, but um, but 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 generally, you know. But again, you know, you can easily see why the film is the way it is because it, he's clearly done this, rushed out. I mean, who knows? Who knows? On that that um, crew, what film they thought they were working on at what time? Because he was loved, loved going out, and it's, as we said. Back in the mist of time, when we were talking about his women in prison films, you know, he got money to make one prison women in prison films. He made two, and and again, this is clearly where his mind has been, um, which makes them great for double bills and pairings and stuff, you know. Um, and this is, I mean, this film is short; it's, it's seventy four minutes, seventy three minutes, so it's definitely uh, not not long enough for you to to, to get bored with. I think it's probably worth as well just briefly kind of explaining the different versions. So, um, technically this film is actually the film debut of uh, Lena Rome, but um, you wouldn't know that because uh, she's not in this version of the film. So there are two key, key versions. One is the French cut, which is the erotic rights of Frankenstein and is the film we're talking about right now. Um, which is shorter um, and has all the sex and, and violence in, which, um, you know, if you're going to pick one. Um, and then there's The Rights of Frankenstein, which is the Spanish version, which does have some nudity, to be fair, but not as much. And certainly not the whipping scene, as mentioned, where naked man and woman are, are, are whipped by Frankenstein. Um, Frankenstein's monster, I should say. Um, and in that, to pad out the runtime, Lena Rome appears as some kind of, like, traveller... A uh, woman who is like under the spell of um, Cagliostro. Um, again, it's not massively explained, but um, and I think it's fair as well to say that you know there are both films are perfectly watchable in their own ways. You know, what I mean, I, I'm not saying you should run off and seek out the, this version over over the rights of Frankenstein. Um, although both versions are, I think, currently available. Um, what I would say, you know, um, if only because um, some of the um, exposition that actually explains why there is a bird woman is only conveyed in the in the the, the rights of Frankenstein, rather than the uh, um, the this shorter, uh, more extreme version. What can we say about Frank? I mean, the thing is, we, we, we this is like, as I've said, this is not going to be the last time I speak about the, the artist. Jess Franco and his incredible ability to make films and make lots of films quickly. Um, so yeah, so I think from that point of view, yeah, happy days, you know. What I mean, we can have another go uh, in, in a bit about that. Um, the film. This is certainly, I think, a lot of the time with Euro sleaze, particularly ones that are clearly referencing, you know, sleazy comics at the time. And um, you know, using shots which look like comic frames, which is what this does. Um, they can 
they can feel better. They look better. They have a, they have a definite uh, tone to them, which is easier to understand and enjoy. And indeed, the film, if it if it does have a theme, bearing in mind we're, we're, you know this being sold to Franco, does have an element of, of a distrust and a dislike of you know hierarchical structures, people in charge, um, and indeed this kind of master servant dynamics. Uh, which are toyed with, but not really fully, fully, uh, does play with the politics of Franco, certainly. And I think, if I'm being honest, the fact that the film ha- is in existence, that it, it actually is, <laughs> for, you know, has been willed so much to exist, and now is in, you know, f- about a 2K scan and is lovingly regifted to the world, is fascinating and brilliant and about as good as this thing can be at this point and from that point of view it certainly for me is is a pleasure so the curse of frankenstein as was called the spanish version um was released in the uk originally uh on video by tartan in, in 2006 as part of a double bill uh, and it's rated 15 because all the all, you know lots of the, the cuts are in there and then the additional stuff of Lena Rome is, is added in uh, the film was released in the UK as this uncut erotic rights version in 1981 on Go Video was seized obviously as we've said before but was you know forfeited Um and then has now been re-edited and re- resubmitted and is, is available uncut uh, 18 on Nucleus Films and is released as a, a double set on Blu-ray and DVD with both versions, the, the nudie version and the less nudie but longer with actual uh, explanation of what's going on version as well as, as, as the French edit. And obviously the, you know, um, the reason why there's two cuts as always, is for different European markets back in the day. So uh, the French are all happy with all this extra stuff in there. The Spanish under Franco, less so. So that's why we see, see two versions of this. And indeed, in the UK, it, it would have been the same uh, same thing if they'd released it in, in, in a cinema at the time, which, which, which they wouldn't have done. Certainly the clothed version would have put, almost certainly have been the one that got put forward. Again, an example, though, of how Franco was able to Utilize and get as much as he can. So I mean, when you compare the scenes, they've literally got the clothes on and then <laughs> the same scene, but they've just got the clothes on and then they've got the clothes off. They're, they're almost fucking identical. It's hilarious. Um, it's like, right, do it again. Take your clothes off. You know what I mean? It, it's absolutely fantastic. And because it's Franco as well, some points he, he gets the camera right in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> absolutely disgraceful behavior. He just, he just loves porn. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of gushing about this more than I probably I probably should be. People watch this and go, "What are you talking about? This film is trash." Um, I think it's quite likable rather than good, maybe. And I think that might be it. But uh, I had a, I had a great time rewatching it again this week. I have to say. Melissa speaks to you on behalf of our great master Cagliostro. Cagliostro created me, and half of me is a bird. He meant for me to be his own daughter. But I am blind and therefore unworthy. Cagliostro now transmits the words he wishes you to hear through the fabulous creature that I am. 
listen to the master speak these words to you. I have accorded you the privilege of rising from your graves, but I cannot prevent your flesh from rotting you. Originally, I started creating with nature's materials, but I was mistaken. I brought corpses back to life, only their bodies kept on rotting. To create the creature through whom I talk, I contrived to impregnate an egg with human semen. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on uh, Twitter at at orange underscore monkey, or you can get me um, on the website, thelasthorrorpodcast.com, or videonastiespodcast.com as well. Um, so next week, after all this sleazy excitement, we're going into... Um, and it's all right, actually. It's quite interesting. It's the last horror film. So, um, dare I say, almost a proper... We're, we're almost in proper movie territory now. There's, there's a, a couple of classics that have kind of left a little bit later in the list. So, uh, to kind of keep, keep it going. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the last horror, horror film is, is, is up next and certainly is very interesting. So, till then, take care and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film <laughs>